Hello listeners, this is Matt from Uncanny Treks, and I want to take a moment to tell you about our brand new Patreon at patreon.com slash uncannytreks. On our Patreon, we offer lots of exclusive content in multiple tiers, including access to our brand new Patreon-exclusive podcast, X-Men 92 vs. Young Justice. On this podcast, we follow the same format as B5 vs. DS9, but with an entirely new focus on reliving the nostalgia of 90s X-Men animated series and comparing it to the fast-paced action of Young Justice. Both of these animated series have recently been renewed for new seasons, so we felt it was a great time to return to these two comic book-based properties. If you're interested in subscribing, please visit us at patreon.com slash uncannytreks. You can always reach out to us on Twitter at uncannytreks. Enjoy the show, and as always... Thank you for listening. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to an episode of the Galaxy's Greatest Podcast about the two great 90s space station shows, Babylon 5 versus Star Trek DS9. But tonight, we're not talking about Babylon 5 or Star Trek DS9. Instead, we're doing a quick check-in on the penultimate episode of Picard Season 2, Episode 9, Hide and Seek. I am Bob in Cascadia. That is Matt in the Southland. How you doing tonight, Matt? A little saddened, Bob. Uh, learned uh, someone passed away recently. That yeah, yeah. We're uh, paying tribute to good old Neil Adams, who honestly, like, if you were to rake just like not not best, but just most influential comics artist of all time for superheroes, you'd you'd probably, I think, would have to put Jack Kirby number one and Neil Adams number two. Like, just Neil Adams is one of the guys who like really, really brought a kind of realism to superhero comics and was so widely imitated, especially in the 70s and the 80s. Um, I mean, no offense to people like Bill Sienkiewicz and George Perez, who do a lot of great stuff. And, you know, definitely, especially Sienkiewicz, branch out in their own directions. But they're kind of, their style is kind of deeply defined, I think, by Neil Adams. Uh, Dennis Cowan would be another great artist who I think is, like, deeply defined by following Adams. So, yeah, he was great, man. Did you, uh, do you have a favorite um, run of his? It sounds like probably Batman, but any, anything else from him that you remember fondly? Uh, primarily just the Batman stuff. I mean, he really did, like, most of the art from our childhood was Neil Adams' Batman art. Yeah, yeah. Or a lot of it, was, I think, was uh, Garcia Lopez art. But Garcia Lopez, I think, was another artist who was really, really, like, inspired by Neil Adams' take on the character. Yeah, I mean, definitely the Batman stuff. And then for me, I would say Superman versus Muhammad Ali is just a really, really beautiful comic. And it's like a really cool piece of like late 70s pop culture. Um, it's really worth giving a quick read if you're into superhero comics and you haven't read it. Super, Superman versus Ali is great. And then, I don't know, a lot of people like to kind of make fun of Neil Adams' late work. Like, did you ever try Batman Odyssey, Matt? I did, yeah. Couldn't get into it. So, like, I don't, I don't know, like, I, I, and I think, I think my boy Noah agrees with me on this, too, like, there's a certain kind of insane quality that, like, some great artists have in their late phase, like, you see this, I think, with Jack Kirby and Frank Miller, too, that, like, their late career just goes in really, really strange, intense, stylized directions, and I think Neil Adams is like that, too, and I know a lot of people didn't like Batman Odyssey or, um, Superman coming of the Superman, but I really enjoyed them. I mean, they're they're really kind of weird and baroque, but there's just a kind of insanity to it that I th I thought was super charming. Rest in peace, Neil Adams. Yeah, R.I.P. Neil Adams. So 
Moving on to good old Star Trek Picard episode 9, um, Hide and Seek. I assume this was not a happy week. Way to set it up there, Bob. Thanks for making us sad at the beginning of this episode so we can just continue. Well, I was about to say, I think we're just going to continue to be sad, albeit in a much less sad way, because I I assume you uh, did not care for this episode, Matt? No, I did not care for this episode. Wow, wow. It's like I'm psychic. It's like I'm psychic. You've got got one more episode, Picard. One more episode to get this shit together. Oh, there's literally nothing they can do to, like, (laughs) right? Like, you would agree with that? Okay, we'll, we'll talk about it towards the end. Let's, let's get to the okay. episode. Okay. We'll, we'll make some predictions. Did the first ten minutes or so uh, feel like a season finale to you? Yeah, the entire episode felt like a season finale. Uh, they're going to have a couple things they need left to tie up, you know, but it had those finale vibes to it. I, it's hard to describe, but, you know, it's just kind of like constant action kind of stuff going on and very fast paced and you, before the ship took off you really thought that you know this is probably like going to be the end and then maybe the last episode will take place in the present but no didn't happen that way yeah it it did almost feel like they were going to wrap up the past and then or not, and then have like one more episode that was like you know dealing with complications of the present but not so much not no, so no, much that did not happen and then although i i could still see them like wrapping up the the past in like the first 10 or 20 minutes of the finale. That wouldn't shock me. It could happen. Uh, any thoughts or feelings about Elnor as the emergency combat hologram? Yeah, it was like a creative way to include him in the story, but is there like a Trek novel out there called like war of the holograms or some shit like that? Cause we can make some money, Bob. Off this. <laughs> I, I don't think you actually make that much money writing tie-in novels is is my understanding um or or writing any novels for that matter unless you just happen to be like one of you know like the 20 biggest writers in the world um yeah yeah i i'm sure there probably is some sort of hologram uh these holograms are pretty convincing i mean they can do a lot of stuff that i would not expect holograms to do (laughs) but then again i mean we had a whole doctor that was a hologram on voyager so yeah we know they're capable of a lot yeah and look i'd be lying if i said i cared about the crew versus the spec op borgs fight or if i was interested (laughs) in it i'd be lying but it was still annoying to keep breaking the tension of that fight to have a picard childhood flashback which they did at least two times in the episode maybe three that was yeah ah, god one was a flashback grenade bob did you catch that (laughs) I didn't. I didn't. They literally third grenade. It went off and turned into a flashback. <laughs> oh God, that's. Uh... I'll say the only thing I do like about the Borg fight, though, Bob, is that the green laser sights are mimicking the Borg force first contact, which was pretty cool. I hadn't thought about that, but that actually is a pretty astute observation. Yeah. yeah was... The one thing I would praise is I. I did think they used the transporter noises very well during the fight to like signal tension or like to communicate you know, more people are coming in. I, that, I thought that was actually, I mean, it's a small thing, but I just thought that was like a well-done little technique. Um, yeah. So I'm probably an idiot and black this out, but have they mentioned Robert Picard, Picard's brother at all? Like, don't the flashbacks make Picard seem like an only child? Yeah, I think they forgot he had a brother when they were writing the script, and then they, they put one, there's one thing that's mentioned in the first episode that says he's toiling away at school. So that's yeah. where he's at. <laughs> so, it so it goes. That's the mom that says that to Picard. Ah, ah. 
Well, at least it's at least it was mentioned once. I will say I did enjoy Data's ancestors line that it's not well, I wasn't a violent man. Yeah, Spiner is like a full-on Batman villain in this episode. I think originally you said a uh, Bond villain, which I think I agree more with. But yeah, yeah, he is kind of going for like campy opponent vibes. Yeah, it really is. And we also got a Janeway reference, Bob. Yeah, yeah. Eh, it's a Janeway reference. Eh. Uh, Janeway threatened to resign if they didn't allow Seven to join the Academy, which... Uh... Well, was it... I don't know if it would have been the Academy. They just say Starfleet. Or Starfleet. I mean, what, what do you, you know what I mean. Starfleet. Yeah. I would say they might, they might have given her a commission. They, they might not have made her go to the Academy. I mean, what can you learn uh, from the Academy that you can't learn from the Borg Collective, Matt? That's my question <laughs> to you. Uh, that sounds like its own show in and of its own, Bob. Like, that seems like... Like, would the Borg jo- do join the Federation? Are we going to have, like, choice Borg schools to go to? Like, <laughs> I'm just imagining... I, I've i never worked for a tech company, but I have a lot of friends who do out here. And, you know, they describe, like, these, like, really elaborate, like, onboarding and offboarding interview processes at these tech companies. And it's just, like, I'm imagining having to go through that before you join the Borg Collective. And it's just... <laughs> I would much rather just... Join the board collective, then work for a tech company is what I'm saying. Eh, I don't know about that, Bob. And has your individuality really been working out that well for you, Matt? Yeah, Bob, this podcast is awesome. I mean, arguably, this podcast is a collective, <laughs> Matt. We're, we're mind-melding. We're now a, we're, we're a hive mind. We're not a single mind anymore. Yeah, it's you, me. It's the cat in the lap. It's, yeah. our, it's our seven supporters on Patreon. It's, we're all, you know... The... So, did I miss... This is another, like, am I an idiot question, but... Did I miss something, or does the emergency combat hologram it not make sense for it to have like Eleanor's dying thoughts? It it was created by Gerardi's consciousness, is what I gathered. So but I guess why would Gerardi have Eleanor's dying thoughts? I, I, I don't know. <laughs> okay, but it was I I don't know, Bob. That that's that's the good. Maybe she's just. Once once again, this is a hologram that's doing a lot of things that holograms don't usually do. So, I mean, I'm fine with like uh, it having an emotional thing with uh, Musiker. Like that's fine. Like it it's a nice way to wrap out that plot. Although I'm sure they're gonna resurrect Elnor next episode. But I just the I I don't know, man. <laughs> like I, you, you didn't have to. He didn't have to have access to. Uh, Elnor's dying thoughts for them to have a sweet moment between the hologram and, and Musiker. Right. I I don't know what they were going for there. I thought it was kind of weird too, but they did they did they did try to explain it at least. And I I mean I know you're gonna disagree with this, but like I like this season better than season one still, and I really did enjoy it when the season was just kind of wasting time in the present. Like I thought it was, you know. Even if the I have never cared about the overall plot, like the individual character interactions was for the most part fun and entertaining. But man, whew, it, it gets rough when it it you know it has to give up the kind of entertaining wasting time and it's just moving into you know rapidly moving towards a climax. Yeah, I have not really cared for the season as a whole, and I think that whatever they used to get them out of this hole is like not going to live up to what I thought the show was going to be. I don't know. I, I guess I expected like a tighter plot with more like, uh, I guess I, I, you want those cameos, but I guess that's probably well, the I next mean, season. 
you want something, you know, a little more meat to it. It just I mean, you just can't build a 10 episode season out of a two episode premise, you know? Right. And you yeah. shouldn't try. Like it's just a bad idea. To go to another is Bob an idiot question. So, where where is Corey soon now? Corey soon uh she walked off last week after Q provided her with the cure. Okay, so that's just it. That was that okay, I I, did, I guess I remember that, but I didn't really register as, okay, that's the character's done for the season. Yeah, because Brent Spiner's character was like, thought she was going to die because she walked out of the house, but then she didn't. Yeah, she just kept walking. Yeah. So. Okay. I, yeah, I don't know if they're going to go anywhere else with that. To, to paraphrase my boy, Alan, she just walked into history. Yes. All right. Um, yeah. And then I, you have a grievance about, uh, an understandable grievance. I, I don't want to minimize this grievance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A grievance about Seven's I, Borg implants. Yeah, I just want to point this out, Bob. How annoying is it that Seven gets her Borg implants back in the exact same place they were before? It, even though she was injured around her stomach. So how does the eyepiece help with that? Like, what? what why, why do they need to do that? Why, You'd be amazed could, what modern medicine can do with cortical implants, Matt. They could have done something cool. I made her like they could have changed her look around. No, we'll just go back back to the same look. Just... Yeah, like I mean, it's kind of like it's fine. Like, why did what she doesn't need the eyepiece? You can just have you know, um, I'm I'm blanking on the name of the actress who plays Seven, but you can just have her show up without the eyepiece in the present. That's fine. Like I yeah. don't care. Yeah, like it's I wouldn't just... begrudge it. If she Jerry gets hurt, Ryan, that's her name. Jerry, yeah. If she gets hurt in the stomach, you figured there'd be some like. Borg implant there, but not on her eye and her face. <laughs> so what you what that's my issue, is Bob. You really just want to see Jerry Ryan's like belly button implant from yeah. the Borg. <laughs> I want to see whatever. I mean, Matt, this is sounding like some sort of fetish and not an actual plot complaint. I'm just saying. Maybe, maybe it is, Bob. Maybe, maybe that's what you've uncovered. I don't know. <laughs> She slightly lifts the shirt and it's just like resistance is futile. <laughs> or it's like she lifts her she lifts her shirt and like on her stomach she instead of having like a six pack, she has like these Borg like implant things and like in the shape of a six pack. Not a not a six pack, but a six drone. Yeah, six drone. <laughs> uh, all, right. all right. So am I in am I understanding it right that Gerardi Borg Queen is going off into the galaxy? of whatever year they're in in the 21st century to make a kind kinder cuddlier borg is am i understanding that right i mean i guess yeah because she's in the ship she takes off in it she's now like head of the collective or whatever i mean seems like that would really mess up the like next generation ds9 voyager timeline though oh it's a butterfly effect no, Matt, because this is not a small change. It's a major fucking change. Jesus, I'm trying to not swear so we don't get the explicit tags. And then you hit me with the fucking butterfly effect, the goddamn butterfly effect. Since we already have the explicit tag, I'm just going to say fuck that and fuck you. Jesus. Okay. Butterfly effect. Yeah, I'm just triggered. Very anyway. Triggered over here. Um, I, I don't. I don't know where they're gonna go. I, I guess that's what she's gonna go for. But so this is this is my prediction, though, Bob. And this is kind of like uh -huh. what most, I think this is kind of the obvious prediction. But when we return to the present, eventually at some point, they're gonna be back on the bridge of the Stargazer. Or Picard will be there, and uh, the Queen from Episode One will be revealed as Gerardi. 
Huh. With a mask on or whatever. So if they do do that, that's like, I, I guess I would support this, but that's kind of like ethically a really interesting position because it would imply that like Gerardi Borg Queen was like in charge of the Borg the whole time of like Wolf 359 and all the other simulations and, you know, the first contact and just decided to let that stuff play out as it should in order to get back to this moment where the Borg could join the Federation. Yes. <laughs> huh. I mean, I would support that, but that, I could see a lot of fans getting upset about the ethical implications of that. Yeah, because huh. that, would, that would put Gerardi in, in charge of that. But chances are, Bob, do you, I bet they're going to go with there's two different, maybe like there's a, a different branch of Borg, maybe. And Gerardi's in charge of them, or some oh, weird shit like that. Okay, so I she, guarantee you they're gonna go oh, with that. Okay, uh, okay, yeah, I guess they could do that too. She's like leading like the secessionist Borg or whatever. Um, that's okay. The Borg Civil War. If you're right about that, does that make you think that they they probably don't intend to do any shows that are like set post Picard in the near future? I doubt they're going to do any shows. I think that this is probably, I think next season will probably be the end of the next gen Voyager DS nine whole thing there. Like, I think that's going to be the end of that. Although wasn't there some talk of a seven of nine spinoff? I don't know if there's still, is. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. A Ranger thing. Yeah. Maybe it could happen. I guess I could see that. Cause like, I think it would be cool to have like Borg in the Federation or, you know, dissident Borg in the Federation. No. But I, I think it also, you, I mean, I, I don't really think this is a problem. I think this is just writers think this would be a problem. But writers might think that it's, that makes like the Federation too powerful and it becomes difficult to write right at that point, which I don't necessarily think that's true. I think you could still do some cool stuff with some Borg in the Federation, but I could, I could see writers not really wanting to touch that. And if you had a Fenris Ranger show with Seven, then that could be that could be like on the ex the the outskirts enough that you didn't really need to touch on the Borg Federation stuff. Yeah, and I can already see the book cover of like Gerardi and the Borg Queen on it with the with the cube uh -huh. flying down the middle. I see it. Huh. Well, and <laughs> the other the other the only other problem with that is that we have disco like in the thirtieth century, and granted that is or the thirty first or whatever it is. Actually, I think it's the 32nd, but however, wherever they are, like that is far enough in the future that it doesn't especially matter. Like he, there's no reason you would necessarily need to see it reflected, but it still is a little weird that like the Borg joined the Federation and then it's just never mentioned in Discovery. That, that, that is, yeah, that seems like a major, major thing, you know? Yeah, that should have been brought up at some point, which maybe that'll be the next season of Discovery, Bob. Yeah, maybe so. Maybe how will, so. How will Stacey Abrams, president of the Federation, defeat the Borg? Well, maybe the revelation will be that Stacey Abrams is Borg. <laughs> um, if if they do that, like I, I I withdraw all of the hate that I lumped upon the Stacey Abrams appearance in the disco finale. That would be hilarious and uh, and an interesting way to go. So now I see the cover of a novel, Bob, with Stacey Abrams as a Borg. <laughs> 
Written by Stacey Abrams. Well, yeah, it's written by her pen name or whatever she goes by that she writes yeah. the erotic novels under. Yeah, I can, Man, I can if see if she it. if she can pound that out in the next three months, we can get her elected governor of Georgia, and I will work tirelessly for that. I've I've said before that I think uh, Stacey Abrams is a neoliberal hack, but um, if she actually does write her you know vaguely erotic uh, fiction of herself as Borg Queen in the thirty second century, hell yeah, she's got <laughs> she's got my support. She can just tie it all together. That'd be great. <laughs> I like that your southern accent randomly came out yeah. for that one. <laughs> nice. I could totally. Nice. Hey, hey, that that's the perfect question to ask Stacey Abrams, Bob. So when Stacey Abrams comes to town, which she probably won't come to Cartersville, but if she does, <laughs> how can how can she look <laughs> the bustling metropolis of Cartersville, Matt? <laughs> if she does decide to come here, Bob, I'm going to make sure I'm there and can ask that question. <laughs> I hope I hope the Secret Service tases you. <laughs> Stacy, right. when are you going to write your Borg fiction? <laughs> Yourself in sort and insert yeah. Borg fiction. Yeah. Uh, that would rule. That would rule. <laughs> All right. Any other thoughts about the penultimate episode of Star Trek Picard, Matt? Uh, the only thing I'm thinking is this is just a, a thing I'll, I'll do, but like, I just imagine though that, that the Borg Queen standing on the bridge of the Stargazer, and before the mask opens up, you're going to hear that. The shadows up. <laughs> <laughs> and then it's going to slowly open and it's Gerardi and you're like, oh, yeah, we're going to another musical number. So I was going to say that there was no way for the season finale to satisfactorily tie this off. But if they bring back Stacey Abrams as the board queen or if they do a call, a, a direct callback to the uh, karaoke number. I, I all will be forgiven. This will be the best season of new tre- new Star Trek. Sorry, Lower Decks. Okay, now you're you're some more jokingly. You're joking, but like my I'm not jo- joking, Matt. Oh. I, I I am amused, but I am I am I am 100 sincere that I really want to call back to Gerardi's karaoke number. That'd I have be amazing. A, I have a legit legit thing here. Uh-huh. All right, I will be extremely impressed. If we get uh-huh. next uh, next episode, they uh-huh. say three months later or something like that, uh. four, four months later, and guess who's hitching a ride on the Defiant to get back to the correct time? Just saying. So, I, I just want to say that um, I think Marvel movies have broken your brain, Matt. <laughs> so you're basically just begging Picard season two to do a, an in credit scene with Cisco, and I I think that's yeah. sad. Yeah, I'm just saying, I think that would be pretty awesome. I guess you've disproven me, uh, Matt, because before I said that this podcast was already our board collective and that we were of one mind. But uh, <laughs> clear, clearly we're not of one mind, because if we were, your your, uh, your love for WandaVision and the MCU would have overwritten <laughs> me already, and I wouldn't be so bitter. We're going to have all these CGI DS9 characters. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> oh my god is that tom cruise playing yeah, she... cisco <laughs> oh my god it's captain kira yeah it's captain kira in the defiant all right well this has been uh babylon 5 versus ds9 the galaxy's greatest podcast about the two great 90s space station shows but this week we weren't talking about space stations rather star trek picard the penultimate episode of season two i am bob in cascadia i am withdrawing from the hive 
That is Matt from the Southland. He's going even deeper into the hive. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening.